A paraphrase of Wendell Berry. What do you want to do with your life? I hope to die in a world that I was glad to live in, which means I will either exist like a tree or like fire. We will try to live in the world by burning and destroying it, or by learning to produce life where we are, firmly rooting ourselves in the soil, taking only what we need, and seeing to the preservation and enrichment of that which is around us. May you grow like a tree, not like a fire. Welcome to Becoming Human. My name is Tyler Kleberger, and I'm really just trying to promote this journey that we began articulating on the last episode. Living well requires us to see that philosophy and ethics are dance partners. If we want to live well, we need the theory and the practice. We need the perspective and the behavior. We need to learn and explore, and we need to do something with it. And we brought up this spectrum that kind of exists between these these poles. That there's you know usually philosophy and intellectualism on one side, and just down to earth ethics and living on the other. So what do we need to do to have an examined life, lived well, and what should this whole process look like? So I want to offer a couple illustrations, and then I want to look at some of the things we need to be careful of if you tend towards one end of the spectrum. Or the other. So on one end of the spectrum, you have the propensity to only be concerned about what you do, the practices, the ethical part. If you exist over here, you inevitably limit what you're able to do because you're limiting your tools. You're limiting the things that you need in order to enact a certain way of life. Yet, you can also be on the other side of the spectrum and just know a bunch of stuff and never actually do anything with it. And this is the common trope of street smarts versus book smarts, right? Common sense versus intelligence. And what I'm proposing is that we actually need both. And it's not just some uh, genetically influenced aspect of our lives. We can nurture both. And it's worth saying that if you had to pick one extreme of the spectrum, pick the ethics side. Right, and, and suffering is an example of this. You can have no understanding of what is happening in suffering. Uh, none of the theoretical components or the psychological components of how to interact with suffering. And you can still end up suffering well. Though it's less likely. If you only ever understand suffering and you have all of the theoretical frameworks and all, all of the psychological techniques, well, you can have all of that and never actually pursue the healing that you need, right? Or if you need someone to protect your family, you're probably going to pick the person who's actually going to do it versus the person who understands everything that they need to do and they never do anything with it. There's a parable in the New Testament within Christianity of a man who has two sons and he tells them both to go out and work in the field. And the one says, okay, I will. And then he never goes. And the other one says, I'm not going to do it, but then actually goes and does it. And the question the parable proposes is, 
which one was better? Well, the one that actually did it. So if you had to pick one, we're going to pick that one. But again, I think that we can nurture both. And maybe what I would compare this to is uh, traveling. So the goal, remember we talked about ancient philosophy, and there was metaphysics, physics, and ethics. But the goal of all of it is the ethical side. The metaphysics and the physics, the theory, the philosophy, the understanding, the wisdom, knowledge, all of that is simply to help promote the ethical living. And so traveling is that ethic. That's the goal. That's, that's what we want to actually do with our lives. You can travel without a GPS. And listen, you can still get to your destination. Without a GPS or a map, it's going to be a bit more difficult. Right? You're going to run into things or you're going to wander off course or you're going to end up somewhere and then you got to retrace your steps. But hey, you can still get there. You can still travel. You're still on the journey. If you only have a GPS and you don't actually travel, I, I think it's fair to say you're not going to go anywhere. And so the GPS in this metaphor is philosophy. All right, traveling is the ethics. The information helps you travel better. If you have a map, if you have a GPS, you're going to more fluidly get to your destination. At the same time, it's worth saying you can have a bad GPS, right? And one of the poor GPSs of our culture is uh, what I mentioned at the end of the last episode, this Greek idea of amatheia, intelligent stupidity, where you assume you already know and so you don't need to intake any more information. That's probably the worst GPS you can have. Or let's put this in a more practical framework. Think of a musician, right? I mentioned I can pick up a guitar and make some noise. A lot of the people around me who are much more talented, they know a ton of theory and they're able to play way better. However, if you only know guitar and music theory in general, but you don't actually know how to play the guitar, I don't, unless it's just really important for you to know those things, what's the point? That the theory is set to nurture the performing. Um, or I think wine, wine connoisseurs just comes to mind for me with this, right? Like philosophy only, that side of the spectrum is like spitting out the wine, right? And so you can know like what's the right shape glass for each kind of wine and the proper way to hold it so that, you know, your, your, your fingers don't increase the temperature of a particular wine so that it has the just the right taste and then you spit it out and it's like you know i, I think i think it's fair to say like the, the point of the wine is to drink the wine but somebody who's just a wine connoisseur are they actually experiencing the wine yet if you have all that knowledge if you have all that understanding it might help you enjoy the wine even more and uh, from my perspective uh, i i work a lot in the world of theology and uh, theology has an ethical destination that's built into it, right? The, the point is to be a traveler, not a cartographer in that world. And I think the same is true for us in any part of our lives. We can be so enmeshed in the information and the debates and the data and the theory that you don't do anything with it. It doesn't actually affect how you live right now. There's no virtue, as Aristotle would say. 
The whole point is to do something. But without that information, you're less likely to live well. Here's what I think is important about this spectrum. With philosophy and ethics, you can't do one so well that you don't need the other. We need both. So I want to give us two images that might help frame this for us. And just remember, these first two episodes, this is just to set up how we're going to be approaching content from here on out. But I think this is a great baseline that we should be able to uh, input into any aspect of our lives. So the first image I want to talk about is a circle. And remember, Aristotle talked about uh, finding the best way to live, having that teleological destination for what is the real good, he called. Now, Aristotle had his own real good and a specific version of that. Most of the ancient Greek philosophies used what they called eudaimonia, um, which might be just best portrayed as uh, like universal flourishing. But you can look in most traditions, religious traditions, philosophical traditions from Islam uh, to to Eastern traditions, Confucianism, Taoism, any of that, and, and you see them articulating some sort of teleology, some sort of best way to live. And so if we are saying, well, and, and what I would argue is that all of those schools of thought also make this case, Understanding the world exists in order for us to live rightly in it. That's the journey. What we could do is we could compare this destination to the center, like a center dot on a circle. And so your life is one of traveling to the center of that circle. All right. So this is called teleology, a purpose of direction, a goal for, for you navigating the world. But if you have this this central dot, right, trying to get there randomly is possible. You can just go through the routine of a day and ignore most of the world around you and still happen upon that uh, center dot, that, that goal of life, that full life, the real good. But taking the time to understand the world around you, to understand the map of the circle, will allow you to better live in, in it and have a better chance of arriving at that destination. So Plato, and we haven't mentioned him yet, had this theory of forms. And most people have actually heard of this. So if you've heard of the cave uh, analogy by Plato, you, you understand a little bit of what he's talking about with his theory of forms. And the theory of forms simply said that there is an ideal form of everything. Right? There's an ideal form of love. There's an ideal form of justice. There's an ideal form of a tree. And that exists outside of lived reality. Reality, then, is a shadow of the ideal, which is why we can't just depend on our singular perspective if we are going to live the best life possible and build the best world possible. So even the most ethically driven person would benefit from learning more because the more learning, the more philosophy, the more uh, exploration you do, the more you discover, maybe not discover the ideal form itself. Plato kind of implied that that was uh, impossible to some degree. Um, But the more you get closer to that ideal form and can better enact a version of it in this shadow of reality. And so in order to live ethically, we have to continually discover the ideal definition of everything. And this is something that 
Plato kind of set his life goal as. And this is then, you know, like filling out the map on our GPS so that we can travel accordingly. You know, you do the map making so that you can travel. And and listen, there's a lot of problems with the theory of forms. And there's a much larger debate that exists within that that we're not going to get into, at least today. But how then do you arrive closer to that ideal form of something? Or in the metaphor of our circle... How do you get closer to that destination? And the part of the reason I told the story about Socrates last time was because most philosophers in the ancient world understood that he had actually found one of the best answers. And it's called the Socratic method, which just generally is a way of continually asking questions and being curious so that you can learn more and learn more and learn more and therefore live better. So while the theory of forms is not necessarily a scientific explanation of the world, the concept does do a good job of articulating that, one, we have some human finitude that makes us less likely to just happen upon the best way to do something. But what I appreciate most about the theory of forms is that it emphasizes our ability to continue to grow. And he you know, uses the analogy of a cave you know, our sense experience is limited, but we all have the ability to experience true reality as much as possible. And so therefore we should keep pursuing that. I love that bend that Plato has. The task then becomes to discover, okay, what is the best way to live? The only way you're going to find that out is by searching and in understanding the world. Now you can live accordingly to it. We have to fill our imagination with that center. We have to see it. And then we have to start moving further and further into it. You want to be a better farmer? All right. Well, what can you understand about soil and plants and techniques and technology that's going to improve how you farm? You want to be a better human? Well, understand as much as possible. Understand the map of that circle And now it's going to be easier for you to traverse the terrain into the center. And listen, I haven't always been this way. Like I do consider myself now somebody who's obsessed with with learning anything. Like I'm, I'm reading a book right now about how the various parts of your throat help articulate different sounds. I, I don't completely understand all of it, but it actually does add a little bit to the toolbox for me. This is something that we can nurture. I don't think people are by default intellectual or just ethical down-to-earth people. I think it's a choice that we make. And the more we make this choice, the more we avoid that terrible iconoclastic experience of amatheia, but also the better we're going to live, and I think as a result, the better the world's going to be. And, and we put one little droplet of movement towards the world moving to the best version of itself. We can do this. Now, I want to offer a second image, and this one's of a graph, okay? So if we were to ask the question, you know, thinking about that circle, who do you want to be? What is the goal for you? What, what is that depiction of uh, the best version of your life and the way the world's supposed to look? And again, every culture, every tradition has this. I think that most of them, at least generally behind the scenes, 
the best version of living is this articulation of like universal flourishing and the specifics vary, you know, Christian, uh, understanding of this and, and Islamic understandings of this, of course they're different, but generally there's that same teleological movement behind them. There's this emphasis of there is a way to become human, to be uh, the full version of life. And I think all of them deal with pursuing wisdom and acting accordingly. So if we were to imagine a graph where on the vertical axis, you have philosophy theory, understanding, belief, right? Then along the bottom, the horizontal axis, you have various ethics and practices. So then at the top of that graph, we could make like a dotted line. And this would be the ideal, that that center, that teleological goal. What everything is supposed to look like would be there. At the bottom where you have your ethics and practices, et cetera, your behaviors, is reality as it is right now. And what we could do is we could measure, according to every facet of your life, how close does reality and your current behavior come to that ideal? And part of the reason that I say every facet of your life is because I have a particular perspective that everything has an ethical dimension. We tend to only talk about ethics with like big monumental things, right? I actually think that, let's just, let's just go really trivial, brushing your teeth. We're not going to say that has an ethical dimension to it usually, but I think it does. It might be very minute, but that could go along that bottom axis of the graph. But we can put everything there, you know, how you eat, how you live, your relationships, your communication, uh, your daily rhythms, uh, all all forms and facets of your life could be measured according to how it arrives towards that ideal. And what we would see is that wherever we would mark on the graph your current behavior, there would probably... I'm not going to say that there would certainly be, because you might be perfect. There would probably be a gap between current behavior and the ideal, the center of the circle. And in order to mitigate that gap, you need to know more about the ideal so you can have the tools that you need to enact better behaviors. In terms of ethics and philosophy, this is usually referred to as virtues. And so along that vertical axis of the graph, the more that you understand about the world, the more virtues you can enact to increase that uh, current behavior and decrease the gap towards the ideal. That, I would say, is our goal. To continue to understand where we need to go, the best way to live based on how the world works, and then transform our identity accordingly so it starts looking like that in real time. And so the more you understand about science, right? Uh, This would be what the ancient philosophers called physics. The more you understand about how the world actually works, how relationships work, how communication works, the more you understand about economy and culture and sociology and anthropology and history. But then also the more you understand about theory and logic and cosmology and ontology and all of this stuff, that's going to actually help us move closer to that center and decrease that gap.
That's the journey, I believe, of becoming human. We need to take in all the wisdom we can so that we can understand what this world is meant to look like and then live accordingly. And I mentioned in the first episode that Socrates was all about character transformation. And this is what the ancient philosophers called wisdom. But it's the perfect conflation between knowledge and intellect and living and behavior. And we're not just looking to modify our behavior and, and you know, make some improvements. That's, that's for the self-help world, and I'm honestly not that interested in it. We're interested in actually transforming the very nature of our beings by aligning it with the world as it is. And in this case, yes, I'm very stoic and I'm okay with that. But honestly, it, you know, I really think, because um, I am part of the Christian tradition, that I think the Bible got this one right, despite all of the ways that many Christians just absolutely baffle me with how they use the Bible. But think about that opening imagery of Genesis. I think it's making a case for this is why the world exists. I don't think it's talking about this is how the world exists. The rest of the text is simply commentary on that goal, right? So that's that tradition's way of shaping the imagination for ethical realizations. And and the, there's ancient rabbis that called Torah, which is the first five books of the Hebrew scriptures, they called Torah the blueprint of the universe. And there's this constant refrain of like, okay, you see this? This is a portrayal. This is a narrative. This is a way to understand the world. Now go and do likewise, right? Or um, when sacraments within Christianity, again, that, that's, that's the tradition I know, when, when they're done well, what they're doing is they're, they're inspiring a certain imagination that will tangibly shape your vision for how to live. Yeah, that's that's the circle and that's the graph. That That's a great way to approach things. Now, do I wish that religion, uh, Christianity, modern Christianity in particular, did a better job of uh, allowing the accessibility of everything to help inform how we do that? Yeah, of course. But that's what this podcast is all about. What What I'm hoping to do is give a space to allow us to continue to discover that wisdom, the ideas, and then have the corresponding ethics for what do we actually do with this? But we need to start with how theory and ethics, perspective and behavior, philosophy, and living, they have to dance together. And we have to have this bend of taking in all the information possible and then moving it from our head to our hands. And so, a couple dangers here, right? First, if you are only philosophical, here's what I think you need to focus on. How do you make that information useful? Beware of the satisfaction that your information is sufficient. Also, if you're only philosophical, right? you're on that end of the spectrum, how can you share the information? Right? If, if you have found this gift of, of, of knowledge and understanding, share it. Not only make that more useful for you, make it more useful for other people. Now, on the other end, if you're only ethical, all right, you're sort of that down-to-earth, I don't need all of that academic intellectualism. Okay, I'm guessing, or I'm assuming, 
that you are pretty adamant about how you live. What would help you do whatever you're doing even better? How much more would you be capable of if you were working with all of the information? And one thing I love about, so I live in a rural area, and, and that's definitely a component out here, is there's an emphasis on ethics. And what I love is there's a contentment with life, that they don't need to climb a ladder and be successful and attain all of the virtues that our messed up culture gives us. I love that. But you also don't want to be complacent. And one of the fears that we ought to have about uh, an anti-intellectualism is that anti-intellectualism often leads to pseudo-intellectualism. And a culture that does not promote thinking will elevate inferior thinking. So not only should you be asking, like, hey, what else could I learn to make this even better? Like, how much more can I do? But don't lose that ethical bend. Also, though, for this end of the spectrum, you have to make sure that you keep traveling. And, and hold on to the virtue that you're not learning for the information's sake. You're learning to help you do what you're already doing. But the one thing I push for, if you're on that end of the spectrum, is keep being curious. Uh, learn a little bit from Da Vinci in, in, in this way. Just keep asking questions. Keep exploring. Keep wondering. Keep having that curiosity and wonder about the world. Understand the world know what the best thing is to do, and then do it. What's your goal? Who do you want to be? What's that teleological center for you? Well, one way I, I love just posing this question is when you die, who you are will stand next to who you could have been. Will they be the same person? If we pursue wisdom and act accordingly, I think they will. But as we continue on this journey of becoming human, we just have to keep in mind, you can't do one so well that you don't need the other. They're dance partners, and we need to keep traveling. That's my hope for us. And as we leave, set this content aside. But may you see that the examined life is the kind of life we want to live but may you also be adamant that you actually live it. So the next thing we're going to get into is the idea of change. Uh, you know, we're talking about becoming human and we're kind of implying that things need to continue to change. We need to keep moving, right? And so what I want to do in the next episode is ask, is change even possible? Is this whole adventure even possible? And if so... How do we actually change? So that's what we will get into in the next episode. For now, if you want to know more about myself or Becoming Human, you can find more information at tylerkleberger.com. And as always, feel free to contact me on there. I love continuing the conversation. See you all next time.